0: all right well hello everybody hello gunner so uh just wanted to welcome a brand new interviewee to the show longtime listener first time caller mike bursell so mike how you doing I'm very well. Thank you, Annick.
1: Extremely excited to be on the D as in C++, G as in Linux
0: show dot O-R-G. Right. We'll just have to keep practicing that. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So what. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself. So you're in the CTO office with, with Chris Wright and the gang. At Red Hat. That, right? That's right.
1: Yeah. Yes, that's right. So, um, yeah, I joined, uh, joined Red Hat three years ago, but I haven't been in a variety of places, Intel, Citrix over, over the years. Um, and, um, I do a variety of, of stuff. I was just thinking actually as I was preparing for this, over the last two weeks, I've, I've written code. I've, um, written a, a, a big article, uh, for external, um, consumption. I've written a, a comparison of technologies for internal stuff. I've, um, been doing interviews and uh, been working on Linux Foundation. I do a whole bunch of random stuff, but it's all supposed to be to do with security. Um, and uh, the the big focus of my life at the moment is uh, Enarx, the Enarx project, which I think we're going to talk about.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's, that was my first question is like, how do you pronounce it? Is it like to me? It's like the, I don't know if it's an American thing. It's like uh, that's Enarx. Uh,
1: uh no, uh, no, it's it's very much Enarx. And in fact, one of the first things we did when we started up the wiki uh, for Enarx was provide a pronunciation guide. Um, so okay. if you go, you'll find me saying Enarx, Enarx right. in a very British way. Um, yeah, no, we uh, we 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 decided it was important to do that, and um, we're big big fans of the IT. Uh, crowd um uh, most yeah. of the enox team and there's a, a pronunciation guide uh, uh episode about that so um we thought we would better put it up so it's enox it's kind of it's kind of made up kind of pretend cod latin um okay. so it it, it it turns out that both uh me and nathaniel mccallum who's the other uh, co-founder of the project are um ancient language uh geeks i guess Mm. Um, my, my degree is actually in English language, uh, English literature and theology, uh, bizarrely. Um, and, but I took, took Latin when I was at, you know, at at what you'd call high school. Um, and so it kind of means in the castle or in the safe place. And Mm -hmm. because it's a project about security, um, we thought that was pretty cool. We list a whole bunch of other names and that was the one we, we, we decided was best.
0: Oh, that's cool. So now it all makes sense why you, uh beat up me and gunner on our Latin on our web page. I did. Well it's not
1: Latin. I'm not sure what it is, but it, it doesn't <laughs> say what it thinks it says. Um but that, that it's
0: it made me laugh. So uh it was a good well, excuse to maybe you to could pass. help us with that later um because uh yeah it's it's Google Translate for you. Uh so <laughs> yeah. all right and and we'll leave that as a contest for the longtime listeners that uh that uh let's see if they understand what that is. And and to what episode that is. We'll have to have a contest where they can win a, uh, Dave and Gunner tote bag. Um, so wow, yeah. Why do you have tote bags? Oh, no one told me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. That, uh, coasters, uh, yeah. And, and, uh, the big foam number one hand things. Yeah. Oh,
1: I'm, I'm so excited. And I, how many times do I need to appear to get one of these? Is it an air point
0: system or what? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Talk to Dan Walsh. He'll, he'll, he'll hook you up. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Okay. So what, okay. So what, okay. So now we, we got the etymology of an arcs. What, what does it do? And why is it important? Yeah. That's probably quite a good question. So yeah. uh, let me, let me, um,
1: let me take, take the other way around. So okay. um, we, everyone knows about the cloud, right? It's just someone else's computer. Uh, you're running stuff on the cloud. And um, when we talk about the cloud, we talk about virtualization a lot. So basically you're running a virtual um workload um, as if it's, you know, just running on its own computer, but it's not. So we have VMs, we have containers, all those sorts of things, groovy, groovy technology. And so let's just think you've got you, a, a tenant of a cloud, whatever cloud it is, or I guess on even your private cloud, um, you're running a workload, an application, a, a program on a host, which um, presumably you don't own or operate. So mm-hmm. you've got a, a workload owned by the by the tenant and a host owned by the uh, by the host owner or host operator so there's three types of isolation let's say you want to protect that workload from from bad actors or, or compromised um, processes or whatever there's three types the first type is workload from workload isolation so that's saying you know what um, if there's another person running a workload on this machine, I don't want it to mm. adversely affect the operation of my workload, right? Whether it's, you know, slowing down how it runs, uh, maybe looking inside my memory, or even worse, you know, messing with, with the memory uh, and, and uh, mm. just changing how the thing works. So we want isolation um, of that. What's workload from workload isolation? Um, the, the next one, oh, uh, yeah, I should say, we know how to do that. We've mm-hmm. been doing this for quite a long time. There's, the technology is pretty darn good. Um, we've got, you know, uh, virtual machines, VMs using a hardware isolation. Um, hardware instruction, CP instructions, VTX, those sorts of things. We've got containers um, and, and C groups and SE Linux and, and Set Comp and, and all these fantastic technologies which do a brilliant job of, of separating and doing this workload from workload isolation in ways that Dan Walsh can go into huge amounts of detail um, and be astonishingly interesting about. So that's 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 type one, is workload from workload. So that the next one is uh, is host from workload isolation. Because you know, if you're if you're a uh, a cloud provider, you're you know operating host. You don't want some host, uh, sorry, some some clients of some workload which is either compl- compromised or malicious attacking you, your host, right? Because you're trying to provide a service here. You don't want them breaking into your mm-hmm. infrastructure and um, either you know messing with your infrastructure, or in fact messing with other workloads on your on your host. That's a very bad thing. Um, so that's mm-hmm. that's type two isolation, we can call that. And that's um, that's host um, host from workload isolation. And again, we're really good at that, actually. This is really quite mature stuff. Um, all those technologies I just mentioned, SE Linux, set comp, uh, containers, C groups, uh, virtual machines, VTX, hypervisors, all that sort of stuff does a really great job of that. Um, and that's pretty cool. The problem comes when you start talking about type three isolation. I should say these are my words but I I think they they describe this pretty well. And and type three isolation is workload from host isolation. And that is saying, you know what, I'm I'm running this workload on, on, on the cloud, but how much can I trust that cloud? Can I, you know, a, you know, I've got to have some contractual relationship with the cloud provider, but what if, even if I trust them and they're good people, what if they have a rogue administrator or right. um their machines get compromised what's to stop them looking inside my machine looking at my you know my cryptographic keys or my customer data or um my my ceo's pay you know pay packet or even changing that right so giving giving themselves a a salary raise or um you know messing with the cryptographic keys whatever that's all really bad stuff and what can we do about that? And the answer is not very much. The standard models for, for isolation um, that, I've, that we've already talked about don't do a great job of managing workload from high host isolation. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, the, the cloud providers and, and the, the chip vendors realized this a, f- a, a few years ago and, and came up with something called TEEs, Trusted Execution Funds, TEEs. Um, and what they do is they um, they provide um, an area of memory, some, some memory pages, which are encrypted um, all the time, except when they're not actually being executed in such a way that even if you are, you have kernel access or root access or administrator access or hypervisor access on the same machine, you can't look inside that workload. And that's, it's kind of magic. But it's really cool stuff. So um, the best-known examples of this would be uh, SGX from Intel uh, mm. and uh, SEV from uh, AMD. Um, IBM has announced some work it's doing on the, on its power chips um, called PEF. I don't think that's available right yet. Um, and there's some similar technologies that ARM and folks have been working on and TrustZone and other uh, pieces like that. But they allow you to do this stuff, and it's really, really neat. And what Enarx does is say, well, these are great, but if I want to, if I have a workload, I'd, I'd like to be able to run it on these easily and not have to recompile for each different platform. I don't want to have to do the crazy um, preparation stuff uh, called attestation um, to check for myself whether I should really trust uh, this TEE or not. I I, I want to uh, I want someone else to do that because that's a really difficult job. And Enoch says we'll take that away. We'll abstract all of that away. Just give us a workload and tell us what machine you want it on and we'll check. And if it's okay and it passes all the cryptographic che- uh, tests, we will encrypt it, run it on that and Bob's your ankle. Uh, I'm not sure you have hmm. that phrase in the US. Bob's your ankle. It means, you know, everything's yeah. sorted. Great. It's brilliant. Um, and so that's what Narcs is doing. And um, we've chosen as a runtime WebAssembly, which is is gaining huge amounts of um, traction at the moment, it's kind of started off as a replacement for JavaScript and browsers, but it's moving across to the server space as well. You can compile from Java C, C, Go, Rust, Python, Perl, pretty much whatever you want into WebAssembly. So it's very easy and you know all the IDEs support it, blah, 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 or will be supporting it. Um, so that's the that's the deal. So basically we want to make it easy for you to run uh workloads on hosts you don't trust, whether they're on in the cloud or on the edge or IoT or whatever. And um yeah, I just uh, sorry, you, you open the floodgates, Dave. I'll I'll <laughs> shut up. You ask you say yeah. some things, I'll, I'll shut up for a second, and
0: have a drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um great explanation, very succinct. It sounds like you've done this before. Uh but oh, you yeah. have. Yeah. So the the question I have then is that, okay, so is this uh, like S E Linux where I just put the entire workload inside an NARC's bubble, or is it like uh, the workload runs outside of the NRX computation, and only when you want to do a select secure computation, it will it will perform that and then come back. Yeah, that's a really really great uh, question, actually. So, um, what we do is we we don't call them bubbles;
1: we call them keeps. Keep as in the right. castle, the bit in the in a castle that you keep really safe we call it keep so an nrx keep is one of these trusted execution funds so the the idea is that you run everything uh, that you think might be sensitive in that so it's a really good fit for a sort of microservices architecture you know you can mm-hmm. write your entire application to run in one of these but there are trade-offs in performance and some other bits and pieces so normally you, you're going to pick the, the thing you care about the most uh, whether it's you know auditing um or logging or um crypto operations or mm-hmm. firewall rules or customer data, those sorts of things, health records. And So you're mm-hmm. going to pick the things you care about and, and run them on that because there are there are trade-offs. Um, and um, I, I think we can pretty much guarantee that the cloud service providers are going to charge you more for this, um, right. for using these capabilities than they would for normal stuff because you get extra security. So um, right. Right. we'll move to a world where more stuff is in them. Um, but to start mm-hmm. with, I think you'll be quite selective about about what you
0: put in. Okay, so yeah, so like if I were to think like microservices sort of application, it's like oh, when I go to do the credit card transaction, that's that's where I want to um, make sure that's super secure. Um, yeah, so or, or if, if you want to, yeah. if
1: you're going to be taking that credit card information and putting it into a database, well, you want to encrypt that somewhere. Good place to yeah. do that encryption is in one of these keeps, and then you send it off encrypted to the database. For instance.
0: Yeah, and, and, and not that, uh, well, it kind of almost reminds me that the, the, you know, well, what was it, 10 or more years ago, where you would have websites that would be not TLS only until you go to do the credit card transaction because it was computationally expensive, uh, to do the encryption, where now it's sort of like ubiquitous yeah and i think
1: we'll yeah. i think we'll move close to that we're seeing we're seeing the the capabilities for these trusted execution environments turning up in the high end server chips at the moment but we absolutely mm-hmm. expect them to to sort of percolate through the stack become mm-hmm. easier to use and and you know cheaper to uh um to to run as well but there's there's one of the interesting trade offs that that is difficult to get round um is i uh, i i don't know how how much uh, details to go into but when you run it when you run apps on a on a standard cloud server um whether it's um containers or vms or whatever there's a whole bunch of memory pages which can be shared between those because they're not being written to they have the same data in them right so right, you right. can actually save quite a lot of memory by reusing those memory pages that doesn't work with keeps because each memory page mm-hmm. is separately encrypted under a different Key, encryption key. So that means you can't get as many equivalent workloads on a single host if they're mm-hmm. running in TEs or keeps as you would for normal computation. So that's one of the trade-offs. There are also going to be some performance trade-offs, exactly what those performance trade-offs are depend on your architecture, which vendor you're using, how you set things up, blah 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 blah. But um mm-hmm. So it's not just put everything you want into a T and expect it to run exactly uh, as you would um, a normal
0: application at the moment okay and and that's that's when when you mention that um I'm just used to my RHCA days of taking the classes to learn how memory works and everything and it's <laughs> like yeah yeah um you know you you have like multiple users uh let's just imagine uh running on a uh, A system, and then you know, it's like, oh, they both have Firefox running. So why have multiple copies of that Firefox executable in RAM, which is just it's linked back to the disk anyhow, right? Those memory pages for the executable. (laughs) Um, So, what about the? So would would NRX be meant for like the data pages or or executables or both?
1: So the you run the entire process. Everything okay um, okay with, within within it, so uh, within a keep, so you're protecting not just the algorithm but also um, you know the data you're running, so you Now there's a whole bunch of you know uh, let's say financial um, or ML use cases which currently people just do not run on the cloud either because they're scared that, you know, this is really sensitive data, or frankly, their regulators mm-hmm. won't let yes. them run this stuff in the cloud uh, for, for yes. all the right sorts of reasons. And, um, you know, I think there's a, a lot of hope in the industry that that will change. And there's an industry body called the Confidential Computing Consortium. Um, well, you'll, I'm sure that the, the uh, address will be in the, um, what you got, the cutting room floor? Um, um, we can have that, or you could put it in the main thing because we're talking about it now. Yeah. Okay, fine. It's it's confidential um, right. and mm-hmm. e- the Enarchs project, which is Enarchs.io, um, mm-hmm. is also is is part of that. And the Confidential Computing Consortium is a Linux Foundation uh, project, um, which has upwards uh, of thirty five members, I think. Now, yeah, uh, Red Hat is a member. Intel, AMD, ARM, VMware, Oracle, um, uh, Facebook, and some, you know, some smaller, really interesting sort of startup firms, um, people doing things like blockchain, for instance. But the aim of the computational computing consortium is is to look at some of these issues and help companies and organizations understand the use cases come up with uh, a language that can be shared because, you know, even agreeing how to, how to talk about this stuff is difficult. Uh, And then maybe, you know, start talking to regulators and stuff about, well, when is it appropriate to say you can do this as long as you're using something at this level, that sort of thing. Make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so you said blockchain, which, um, I don't know if anybody called bingo yet, but um, it seems like, Edge is the blockchain of 2020. So what, (laughs) if, if we were to talk about NRX for Edge, are there use case applications? I'm I'm putting my public sector hat on thinking about drones and, you know, things that you know, or, or things that are forward deployed out in a desert somewhere. Yeah. Like, okay, what, what so I mean let
1: us like? let's, let's let's talk about this in a couple of different different areas. So let's let's talk about telcos on the edge for a start, right? So telcos want to be putting stuff up poles or in stadiums, or stadia I suppose, uh or you know, in, in places where frankly um people bad people can get to, to this hardware, right? Yes. And if you can get to hardware, that's pretty bad. So mm-hmm. if you can say, you know what, well, I've got just some re- the really sensitive data, maybe the cryptographic keys or whatever, I'm going to run those in a keep in this hardware. It's protected. And, you know, if if it is, no, uh, no one's pretending anything is completely secure. But in right. order to get into a, into a keep, into a TE, you're already talking probably nation state or long-term, you know, academic access, um, physical access. To these boxes is, is the most likely uh, way of, of doing it. So it's a really good way of protecting those sorts of things. The same thing you could say about, you know, you've got a, a, an armored personnel carrier out in the desert. Um, you know, what if, what if that is overtaken? Well, as long as you can keep the really sensitive stuff, you know, in a keep where no one can get at it and you can wipe it when, when you're ready to do, do it or if a drone gets lost or um, you've got an embassy or something, um, you want to keep stuff safe. It, it, it's a great fit for all of those. Um, and you know, what about an oil, you know, an oil pipeline out in the desert? Well, mm-hmm. you know, you really don't want someone messing with the, with the core cool capabilities. And of course there are machines out there these days running these things. You want to be able to protect it. So absolutely those use cases are very much front and center for the sort
0: of things we're thinking about for Enard. That's great. And, uh, and now that you mention it too, it's like the, you know, power grid and all that stuff and, you know, uh, critical infrastructure is a big concern for my yes. customers. Um, so it sounds like the, the computation is trusted. What is it verifiable though, too? Or, or like, how do I know that it hasn't been tampered with?
1: Yeah. So no, this is, this is great. I, I meant briefly, mentioned briefly this thing called attestation. Um, so it's a, it's, it's kind of, tricky how it exactly happens but the basic idea is that when when i create a keep for you right um mm-hmm. i you want to be sure that what i'm presenting you with is is a real keep and not some sort of random software emulation which i'm pretending is a keep and i can look inside right so that you want yeah. to do that so what happens is when you set one of these things up um there is a uh, a set of steps where i present i, I do a measurement of what i've created and by I I mean I mean the host, but actually the thing that does the measurement is the CPU and the CPU firmware. Mm-hmm. Um and because you really can't tamper with those, and if you if you do tamper the firmware you can tell, because everything's cryptographically signed, we do a a, a chain of trust of cryptographic signatures for all the bits you care about. So I can check you can check. Uh, that the CPU part that is doing this measuring is a real CPU part based on Mm -hmm. uh, cryptographic checks. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you can check that all the different pieces it's doing of measuring are also proper because you can see the cryptographic checks. Um, And as long as you've got all the right information to underpin that, you can then... Say OK, we've got this thing. I what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a uh, a session key with the keep and I'm going to use the session key to encrypt the workload that I want to put in it so I can be sure that what goes into the into the keep is the thing that I put into the keep. Um, um and is encrypted all the way, so at no point can the host or any other party on the wire, no person in the middle attacks uh can can mess with that so what goes in is what you expect um so it's not the same as verifying uh you know mathematical checking of the of the computation, but you can right. be sure to the normal extent that you will have when something is um executed on a trusted um you know you, environment that you control that the, uh, the execution has gone as you would expect because it's the instructions that you sent. And you can be sure hmm. of that. And when I said you can make those decisions based on understanding all this cryptographic data and the chain of trust and all this sort of stuff, the problem is that you can't. It's really hard. Um, because you need to know all the different chip versions. You need to mm-hmm. understand how the chain of trust works. The different chip vendors do it differently, all that sort of stuff. So a big part of, um, Enox's kind of value add is, is doing that for you. Right. We know how to do that sort of stuff. And, you know, if a new vulnerability comes out on a chipset overnight, we can change your policy information so that, you know, from tomorrow, I'm not going to deploy anything, um, to, any any chips using that gen that are from that generation okay. from
0: that vendor? Wow. Okay.
1: There's wow. lots of moving parts. <laughs> lots yeah. of moving
0: parts. So so it sounds like there's like endless possibilities for this. And and I know you did. You you reached out to me and a couple other folks internally. It's like, hey, do we have any customers that want to talk about this? And I know there are. It reminds me a lot of the uh, TPM days, right? Where everybody mm. wants TPM, but they don't know how to. What, what does a workflow look like? Right. And yep. um, so having those conversations with uh, you would be very helpful in terms of figuring out what what the right market placement is for it and what the workflows would look like. And, and yep. then getting that back into the confidential computing community. So we're making sure that we're addressing that. Um, but with all That's that a said, it, plan. Yeah. Sorry. So how do we how do how do folks uh you know, get a hold of you for, uh, for you know, like, uh, you know, it's like, hey, I got some ideas and yeah, yeah, all sure. that. Yeah. And
1: first of all, I, I want to be clear. One thing I didn't say is that this is not an SDK. You don't have to write things in a special way. We see this as a deployment architecture and framework mm. rather than a development framework. You don't wow. have to take an SDK and run it in IDE, all that sort of stuff. You basically output Something in the normal way, it's WebAssembly is a well accepted standard, and then you you just run it and deploy it. So that's that's one thing. So the answer is how to had again to touch. You go to uh, the NARC's, um web pages, enarx.io. That may change to enarx.dev uh, in a bit, but we'll we'll redirect. Um, so you you have a look there. There's a wiki there. There's loads of information uh, for contributors uh, and people who want to use it. And, and we've made some huge strides over the last few months about we're getting really close to being a position where people can actually start playing with it very, very soon. Um, so we're mm-hmm. really excited about that. Just last week, we had some, some great moves forward. So absolutely. I'm, I'm, um, I'm available on Twitter. I'm at Mike Camel, M-I-K-E-C-A-M-E-L. I was a pearl hacker. Back in the day. Ah, okay. Um, I was gonna NAR- ask you about that. Okay. That's why. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Mike Camel a, from the Camel book. I still have a copy just in my office. Um, and NAR- the NARCS project is at NARCS project, uh, on Twitter. You can contact us there. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, but the best place is, is just to go to the NARCS project. Um, and there's a web page there's a wiki, all of our GitHub there. Everything is open. We have our mm. standards in the open. We do design in the open. We do issue management in the open. All the codes on the open. We have chat. So uh, chat.nux.io. Go there. Talk to the team. Very friendly. We have a um, a contributor code of conduct. We uh, value diversity and
0: take that very seriously as well. Yep. We'd love to see you. Love to talk to okay. you. All right. So you spattered off a lot of links and everything <laughs> like that. Um, if If there was one homepage that uh, like if you were like Dan Walsh and you set your homepage to to any homepage at all uh to get links like this uh what what website would you set it to <laughs> yeah so if
1: i if if i were going to set my homepage to any anything anywhere in the world it would obviously be dgshow.org. I mean, everything you could ever want would be there. There's bad Latin. Um, <laughs> there's some really weird stuff in the open source. There's lots of AI stuff that scares me to death. And all the information you would want about uh, Narcs. As I said yes. before, that's um, D as in C++, G as in Linux, show.org.
0: Very good. Very good. We'll keep working on that. So, Mike, thank you for joining us. This is an awesome episode. Uh, glad you're able to join us and we'll catch everybody next time.
1: Great. Thanks a lot. See you again.